start mid-song here, but this is totally appropriate for this week and every week. Sing, guys. Running on empty. <laughs> and Brandon, you must be running on empty because this is now our fourth take. What episode is it? Because... Welcome, everybody, to yes. episode 55. Oh, congratulations for getting podcast. it right that time. I'm Brandon Ross Take with four. Rich Greenfield and the esteemed Walter Pysik. And yes, that was our fourth take. I could not remember um, that this was episode number 55 for some reason. Well, it's but early for you today. It's I, very early. You're it is early. I am in a different time zone. I'm currently in some hotel room in Utah um, and have been up for hours already put out an initiation this morning roblox to the moon as as you can see there tons of earnings up front lots of things going on we partied this week i saw rich for the first in time person, an IRL in person in four in 14 months and um walt i don't know why he didn't actually come in um for it so we'll see him soon but I remember at the beginning, I went up to Rich to hug him, and he got very uncomfortable, and that made me sad. You're I'm like, do you a... really have to hug me? You're, yeah, I guess you're yeah, just yeah. not a touchy-feely person. I was excited to see you, though, Rich. You were very excited. You were excited <laughs> to see everybody. I was. <laughs> you, were like just, you were like just like a kid like in a candy shop, just I excited had, in general. I had, I had so much fun uh, talking to a lot of people I didn't know. The beginning was we were at this cocktail party um, for Cinco de Mayo. The beginning was You can very, say Joe Marchese's. It was Joe Marchese's yes, party and Joe Marchese's party. Joe Marchese throws the greatest parties at the greatest apartment in the world. But I, at the beginning, I didn't like quite know how to talk to people. Like I would go, you know, like you go up to a circle of people talking and you have to like work your way in. I lost that um, kind of muscle memory. But, you know, once we got it back, that was that was a lot of fun. And the muscle memory returned when the tequila kicked in, I assume. Like that was sort of the. Oh, <laughs> it's funny how that works. Yeah, it is. It, it definitely <laughs> loosened you up. Anyway, um, what's going on, Walter? Nothing, what do we have that's, that's, What do we have first Walter, Walter wants to get to it and I need to get the F out of here. So let's go. So the first one we've got is Sports Business Journal. This happened after uh, last week's podcast. Amazon's picking up the rights for Thursday Night Football a year earlier than planned, taking over from Fox and exclusively producing 15 Thursday Night Games starting in 2022. Um, you know, it's interesting because we talked about this, I think, what, a week or two ago on the podcast, Brandon, where Nick Khan at WWE. So he's CEO of WWE. He used to be an agent at CAA. And he started off the, the call basically talking about sort of what was happening in the sports rights world. And he basically said something to the effect of, wouldn't be surprised if Amazon got the rights sooner than 2023. And then here we are. It's like, Boom. Nick Khan seems like Swami. Like he just, I, I don't know if Nick, I don't know if Nick Khan was Swami because he also got the NHL rights thing. Correct. Where he said that, NBCU would no longer be a partner of the NHL. And then two days later, that came out. So I think Nick Khan is just a pretty well-connected guy. Um, but, you know, he gave us the heads up. And it seemed like Fox, 
on their call was pretty excited um, for Amazon to take these rights a year earlier. Well, I mean, there's two things to think about. One is Fox is going to save a lot of money, right? You're saving yep. 600, 700 million dollars by not having to have uh, this. But the the really interesting part of this is when when Fox signed this deal back in 2018 for Thursday Night Football, they got on. I listened to the press conference and you had Lachlan and Peter Rice from Fox saying he's now at Disney. But you had Lachlan and, and Peter Rice saying you're either in the NFL business or you're not like of why they were like going all in with multiple yep. packages. Now, three years later, Lachlan was on the call and said in, in response to like, why are you getting out? It's a great piece of content, but quote unquote, it's expensive. Like yeah, no the, shit. the thing, the thing, the thing is, Rich, they are in the NFL business. They had, you know, the premier Sunday afternoon package, the better of the two. It's not like their, you know, retrans was going to was going to suffer um, by not picking up Thursday night and probably picking up Thursday night wasn't accretive to their retrans anyway. So it was probably an Ill, ill-conceived move to have it in the first place and a money loser. And this was the right strategic move. And it shows their, I don't know, trying to like run this thing properly for cash. Um, so, so, so that's the good to news build, now, to build I, something that they probably can't execute on. Brandon, I 100 percent agree. Financially, it was a mistake before they're fixing their mistake and they're even fixing it earlier. So I love that. The, the, the negative side of this is, quote unquote, the non bundled Internet digital is going to have a, the second most important piece of content now on, on all of television starting in 2022. And I don't, I don't just mean from a subscriber side. This is the second highest rated piece of content. So from an advertising standpoint, like we just went through the new fronts. Amazon yep. did a new front for the first time ever. They're going to have the NFL now in 22. Like this is just a, and we're seeing AMC's reported this week, Discovery last week. Like we're seeing more and more sort of very scary data points around the state of the ad market. And I think, you know, you, you can kind of feel that we're hitting that sort of tipping point yep. for TV advertising. YouTube's accelerating. Connected TV, you saw blowout numbers from Roku, and you're seeing sort of a softening. The upfront doesn't sound great. Like, I, I just feel like this is sort of, this is an important shift oh, of Lachlan, just how fast Lachlan it's happening. was saying that the <laughs> upfront seemed great. But, I mean, what, what were these um, executives plugging? I mean, Tubi got so much airtime on the Fox call. I think 50 right? times it was mentioned. <laughs> it's like... like Okay, I mean, there's there's a clear admission of defeat. There's a clear shift going on, um, and we'll see how big these AVOD platforms ultimately um, can get and go from there. I, I, I think it's a. I think we're going to look back and this Amazon deal a year early. We're going to see it as a real inflection point or watershed moment for the but, industry. Okay, but to, for it to be, there's a couple of ways in which it could be a watershed event for the industry. One is its impact um, on linear television. The other is, does it get or encourage other digital platforms to follow in their footsteps in acquiring sports rights. And if we go back to what Nick said a few weeks ago, he expects Apple to get there. I think Sunday ticket is probably the way they do get there um, if, if it happens. And I don't know, I expect that to be distributed among um, a couple of different uh, retailers when that finally comes out. 
Brandon, you've been asking for this, so I think you should read this. This okay, is on Twitter. This, this is, yeah, this is this I feel is, like, this, Twitter, this is, Twitter so is channeling Brandon is so, Ross. No, this is exciting um, for me because um, my biggest frustration on Twitter is, especially as a sports fan um, and following a lot of beat writers, hitting paywalls um, when I when um, clicking through to, uh, to articles, especially in all these local newspapers where I'm never going to subscribe. So I kind of, you know, have tweeted it to be a little meta in the past, um, have asked for a subscription that I can pay and, you know, get those paywalls taken down when I click through. And voila, Twitter is acquiring, acquiring scroll. And to read the tweet here, scroll gives readers what they want, clutter-free reading across the web and publishers what they need, a way to make more money than they would through ads on their site. Um, a short spool? I don't know. I think that's probably... Oh, oh, dude. I'm a dummy. Uh, I'm not even going to... It's definitely early for you. We're just going to leave that off, too. It's been a okay. long weekend. Is, I, I feel like this has been tried before, though, hasn't it? I mean, I, I feel like I've heard this concept before. Are, Didn't are Apple you talking about Apple that? News? Yeah, Apple yeah. News. How did that turn out? Yes, but but what's different, oh, Walt? This time is different? Yeah. No, let's go. I'll tell you why it's different. Why are we on Twitter, right, ultimately, besides, you know, to pump our egos and hear ourselves speak and stuff, is to find information and participate in uh, discussions. And for the first part of that, finding information, like you're in the mindset of wanting to read things when you're, when you're on Twitter and you're yeah, hitting know. those paywalls. You're in the mindset of reading 140 characters and being short attention span and scrolling through. I'm Look, not, this, but hold maybe on. The, 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 you're I mean, not, hold you're on. not short hold attention on. span. No, no, no. Just I, flip through? You don't think hold I have hold a short attention? You think I have a short attention span? You? No. Imagine can that. We, can we just step back? <laughs> can we step Dude, back? I like to well, read no, we like can't the, step back. The, the Giants draft the previews from Art Stapleton. That's it. And I'm not going to subscribe to like the Bergen, Bergen record the or Newark maker. Star Ledger or whatever it is to read like those couple of articles. Well, and like Matt's articles. and read the short thread, maybe. He doesn't. quite. But what ahead. you're missing, but what you're both missing, or what Brandon's missing, and I think Walt is right, is it still requires people to pay for news. Okay. So that's the fundamental challenge. And Apple News is an incredible product. Right, uh, but I don't pay a, for it. It's a sta- it's like it's a standalone product, though. It, well, you when I hit ultimate, an Apple you, you may ultimately pay for it based on their bundled packages. Yeah, right? I probably will. <laughs> It'll just be there. <laughs> Maybe you'll use it. I don't know, but I, I look at it for Twitter as why not offer an incremental service? There's no downside. Absolutely. It's no a very downside. low cost acquisition, and it gives them the ability to create subscription products. If they're not huge, they're not huge, but there's no downside to creating the ability for some of this stuff to work. And I think I look at it right. like that, but there's also just incremental. That is correct. But I just, doesn't, it certainly I just doesn't question whether how material how it's ultimately going to be. And I'm I'm on the side of fair enough. Not so much. I will say this though: they have one subscriber, or will in me, <laughs> and based on the feedback I got when I tweeted it the <clears throat> first time, <clears throat> all the comments, retweets, people, you know, are there are people who are excited for that. 
Mark, uh, you're listening. Can you put a bookmark to check back and and six months from now in our episode, oh we're gonna check in to see if Brandon actually subscribed? I of course I'm gonna actually subscribe. Okay, okay. Hey Mark, bookmark. Mark, can I give you my credit card to subscribe for me? <laughs> I don't have enough Walt. attention span to get it done. <laughs> Let's let shift to fix wireless, Walt. Sure. So this is a tweet um, from the guys at Light Reading. Jeff Baumgartner, nearly 20% of charter, and he's basically just tweeting what Rutledge said on the call. Nearly 20% of charter's non-video subs consume at least a, one terabit per month. And then Mike Dano, his um, his compatriot at Light Reading, this does not bode well for the fixed wireless ambitions of T-Mobile and Verizon. So I think obviously the thing that they're they could be missing here is um, they're looking at the right side of the bell curve, and of course that if someone like myself who has Fios and has all these connected devices and multiple kids sporting and streaming and all that other kind of stuff, uh, wireless is not likely to be applicable. But what about the other side of the bell curve, the 20% on the left that don't use that much? And the reality is that the first um, the first things we've seen on this have been anecdotally positive. And frankly, like even though T-Mobile and Verizon have not yet broken out numbers, um, the you can see it in the revenue from T-Mobile. Like T-Mobile's postpaid revenue was for phones was shit, but the service revenue overall was actually pretty good. And I think part of that is they're starting to see some some traction with this and and other um, incremental services. So uh, I think it's just this is what the cable industry will focus on. That like okay, <laughs> you know these guys that are using a terabit aren't going to be applicable. Like yeah, no shit. But does that mean that your business is not going to be impacted if the bottom twenty percent? Well, this, and the other thing, by the but, way, but the this other, sort of goes back to, but this sort of goes back to your whole pitch of like, why is cable not putting more capital in to the wireless business and actually moving from MVNO to actually owning Spectrum and building their business? Well, the other interest and agreed, and part of that capex is to increase the uplink speeds. And the other thing that Rutledge said on the call was basically saying, like, basically shrugging your shoulders and saying upload speeds don't matter at a time when we have cable customers like yourself that um, have problems with Zoom. And, and the interesting thing about some of these new 5G products is they're delivering better uplink than people can get in many of these monopoly um, cable markets. So, I, look, we need to get for, if anyone from Verizon is listening, I know you're out there. I know you don't sell your 5G hotspots, but Richard, you Richard, Richard Greenfield needs one of those hotspots for his apartment, which has, who do you have there? Cable vision? No, no, I, I, I have charter in the city. It's Connecticut. It's, 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 and, you know, the Westport connectivity on the upstream just sometimes is no, very this flaky. Past week, this past week, yeah. it was your city thing. Cause remember it Joe was. was saying, I don't know it's if the always signal's going to get up to your apartment, you, right? Look, the, but the I'm upload, saying, no, Verizon uh, cable send, upload sucks. Cable upload sucks. Verizon, here's a good opportunity to put your service to the test. Send him a box. We'll use it. And if for it's free. better than cable, then we can start disavowing this belief that 5G is not competitive in all situations for all cable companies. And Verizon, if you can hear me, I would like a box can also. Can you hear me now? <laughs> can you? <laughs> yeah, send Brandon a box as well. I, Brandon lives next to one of your little you know, millimeter wave uh, hotspots in Jersey. So 100% <laughs> send him one. I can. I mean, if that doesn't work, then obviously. Anyway, go ahead, Zynga. Although I, I have a feeling and, I'm going to be spending a lot less time in Jersey now that New York is back. Uh, we're going to sh we're going to shift to gaming for a second. Two shots of tequila, and like you're just abandoning <laughs> all of their yeah. plans. 
and it's all different. I don't know why I'm getting that's, married. That's some good shit if it's lasting a week, a weekend, and you're still like optimistic about New York. Do we give so, uh, do we give that brand a shout out? Is, do we get sponsorship? What's the what's the what was the brand? You I'm telling you, uh, there was sponsorship um, of some tequila, some tequila brand there. You don't remember Super the brand? I, Su- I Super really, Bird. It was Super Bird. Uh, okay, it was whatever flower. it was, they had some rep there, and I really upset her because someone was like drinking it when I first got there on the rocks, and I was like, oh, it looks like vodka. And the guy oh, I was they, talking uh, to was, was it like, Blanco? Is that what they were? Oh, do they have like, an Anejo? Oh, this tastes like vodka. And she got so upset oh and stormed God. away. Well, do, they have a, nice. do they have Anejo or just Blanco there? I, I don't know. I really Okay, so know. Superbird, if you want your employees to Blanco, come back to New York City, Blanco? give them all a bottle of Superbird. Okay, okay, Zynga. Zynga agrees to buy. This is from VentureBeat. Agrees to buy mobile ad and monetization firm Chartboost for $250 million. This is probably the least surprising so, acquisition in the history of Zynga acquisitions. And, and I say that because- Oh, come Apple, on. It, it's not the least surprising. I mean, these it's way on. out of the core of what they normally do from an acquisition standpoint, which essentially they're becoming some kind of you know roll-up of mobile studios. But I think you're going to say it's not surprising because everybody's chasing that multiple. Everybody's and looking at it. Right. Even, Everyone's even looking at app loving. Down has got that multiple. <laughs> right. Well, I think when you look at Unity, when you look at app loving, everyone's going, "Oh my God!" If you can build yep. a software platform for advertising monetization and for app discovery and all of that, and you can actually monetize advertising better. All of a sudden, you can sort of transform your multiple. Now, App Lovin will certainly say they are more platform than ad network or more yeah. game than gaming company. But but the reality is, Zynga is basically trying to draft you, on that. And what's Unity going to say, Rich? They're all going to say we're more game of like engine. A, we're more yes. Unity's going to say game engine and not just game engine, but use cases everywhere in industry and dream the dream. So that's why they're trading at twenty ish times revenue not because they you know have the ad network component that's responsible for most of the revenue but zynga probably is looking over their shoulder and is like i think it's brilliant i think it's brilliant yeah they're like give us five turns we'll tell you a story (laughs) exactly exactly okay let's move on uh we've got uh why don't you read this uh, brandon on from the verge okay so this was a, a treasure trove of information um, this week. A leaked, tra- a leaked treasure trove. <laughs> many yeah. of it. Um, Verge, Fortnite made more than $9 billion in revenue in its first two years. Um, and we kind of went through a bunch of the, the leaked documents. And this is one that's uh, pretty interesting that had the user accounts um, by platform um, for, you know, PlayStation, iOS, Switch, Xbox, PC, et cetera, et cetera. And what you see here is that PlayStation pretty much, you know, dominated here, Um, uh, which, you know, PlayStation versus Xbox, you would have thought, um, despite PlayStation having a much larger install base, not even that much larger, but a larger install base that it would have been much closer, but alas, PlayStation's bigger. And it's interesting. Uh, hold on. Sony, not even, Sony hold on. Is in, not even, hold on. Not even bigger. Dramatically bigger. I know. And play, stop and, with the bigger. Okay. And like Sony, crazy. 
Right. And Sony is investing or has multiple times now invested in Epic. And those companies are becoming pretty tightly aligned. And then the other interesting thing here is iOS, um, which was third and obviously fell off a cliff as Tim Sweeney is on his crusade, which resulted in this lawsuit. I, I actually think there's one, there's one other data point that I think is interesting. Look at iOS and Android back in March. Like, it's pretty amazing how Android has never, you know, just never been meaningful. Just from yeah, a user account. Yeah, that never mattered. Yeah, that is interesting. Um, I, yeah, I, I it's actually a global don't, game. I, it's a global game. I don't have a reason um, why that is. It's just interesting. Um, but it's also interesting to compare um, this to what we know about Roblox, right? Which is the other kind of like, obviously smaller, but yeah. the other metaverse um, platform where two thirds of spend is actually um, mobile. Right. Well, it's also younger. I think that plays into it too. Truth. That's, that's not a group that plays as much on consoles, but you're right. Um, let's stick on the theme of gaming because this was sort of, I think this was a big category, Brandon, where everyone was worried about what the rest of the year was going to look like. This is from Call of Duty News. This is stuff that came out of uh, the earnings call about Call of Duty 2021. I'll read them off. Developed by Sledgehammer, built for next gen, has campaign multiplayer and co-op modes, will integrate with Warzone. Nothing surprising here, right? Reveal soon and fall release. Now, given the kind of leaks that we discussed on this podcast last week, I think there was a bit of a sigh of relief um, that it will you know, be shown soon and release in the fall because there were, quote, rumors out there that there may not be um, a Call of Duty this year. And it seemed pretty obvious that even if this game sucks, they're going to they're put um, something out because they can bank uh, 15 million plus units, even if it's a terrible game, and then just turn everyone's attention to Warzone, um, which continues to crush it. The but, there's other clearly no, but there's clearly no collapse in gaming. Yes. Well, that's look, that was the other thing um, that came out of this because they talked about trends in Call of Duty um, in general and season three, um, which, you know, kicked off, I think, the beginning of April and is ongoing, um, has seen no engagement difference or or decline um, from uh, from the prior season. So despite you know, continued reopening. Um, things are chugging along there for Call of Duty. Uh, heard and, the same thing from Zynga, but we heard the we, same yes, thing from we Zynga. Heard the like, exact, we heard the exact same uh, uh, thing from Zynga where, the, you know, Frank talked to a step function up and uh, continued um, engagement levels um, in the same vein right now. Um, so it seems like this... This COVID um, impact was a, a step function up for the industry, maybe setting a new base, and we're going to continue to go from there. I mean, obviously, you know, time spent is going to go down a little bit, right? Yeah, but, um, but, I, but I take a different take on it. Like, I look at it and go, okay, if gaming's at a new tier, like it stepped up to a new plateau for, for you're gonna gaming You're going to talk about taking spent, share from other stuff. Yeah, like, I, that, I mean... 
Right. And so the decisions that we're going to have to make, and maybe it's linear television or Netflix or reading well, well, books or well, listening well, to well, podcasts, hopefully yeah, not the light it, shed podcast that gets cut out. But it's even more than that. Like Walt talks all about how every time he's on TikTok, he loves it. It's a great experience. Like TikTok did their new front this week and they said average time spent on TikTok per day is now rivaling the length of time people watch a movie. So they didn't give an exact number, but I'm assuming they're talking. Well, most like movies are between an hour and a half and two hours. So they kind of give you a number, right? And so that means it's in Netflix territory for TikTok. Like that's. Well, wait a minute. Doesn't doesn't a Netflix customer um, spend approximately two minutes to watching a movie? <laughs> so which 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 watching a movie are they referring to? Thank you. They're, 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 yes. Yes. That's get to take very touche. At the door. Clap, clap, that, clap, clap, clap. Uh, I just think it's I think it's amazing that TikTok's up to almost two hours between an hour and a half and two hours. Netflix is at two hours. Gaming's exploding. No surprise. TV's in collapse. I mean, they're clearly the loser in this category. Maybe sleep is, too. I don't know. But it, it, it'll it, be interesting to see what um, where Roblox's numbers actually come in on Monday night, because they they gave very specific guidance, which, you know, shows a real massive deceleration um, in, you know, starting in Q2 um, of this year. And it, it'll be interesting to get the update um, from them to see if that's the case. My let's guess switch gears is, to RS. Go ahead. No, it's okay. Let's, let's, let's go to RSNs. Let's talk RSNs because you got we got a bunch of RSNs. Is, by the way, okay, this isn't just RSN. This is um, MSG Entertainment and MSG Networks projections, which came out of their S4. Um, this morning. And I have not necessarily seen this in mergers where the actual projections that were shared between the companies um, were, were, were put in. But this is like essentially several year guidance. And let's start with MSG Entertainment because it's interesting. I think in the last full year pre-COVID, MSG Entertainment did like 101 um, million dollars of EBITDA in fiscal 2024, which is going to be the first full year that the sphere is open. They're projecting $301 million of AOI. And in that second year, fiscal 2025, 378. What does this tell you? They think the sphere is going to generate at some point probably multiple hundred millions of dollars per year um, or close to it in AOI. So you're saying I should open up a sphere? A sphere. Or I should get a I sphere. Mean, Every, everyone it, should get a sphere. I don't, I don't, you know, we had projected something like 150 million and people, you know, kind of laughed at our estimates a little bit. Clearly, they're confident if these numbers are correct. Um, then despite the elevated cost of the sphere, uh, okay, so, which so went up another 10%, this is going to be a massive home run. Look, live events are blow, are going to blow it out. There's lots of excitement for what's going to happen next year. But the crazy part of this slide is really not, I mean, I, I guess you could say that's crazy on the upside. The crazy surprising thing is actually on the MSG network side. Yeah, and so on the MSG networks projections um, for fiscal 2021, which we're currently in, ends in June, $644 million in revenue. They have that continuing to grow. Um 
every single year through 2025 with 694 million um, of revenue in 25. They have flattish EBITDA. There's going to be a step down next year, but that's because of COVID costs. Uh, I'm going to say, Brandon, this to me is, is I want to know, and we are actually going to be interviewing um, MSG management, MSG entertainment and networks management on Monday um, uh, in a a fireside chat. And I'm, you you got to push them on how is this possible? I have to push them really hard on how this is possible because I don't know if they expect sub declines um, to significantly moderate or sports betting to really continue um, to grow and make up for those sub declines um, throughout the estimated period here or what that combination looks like or if they're planning to launch some OTT, which they think is going to be accretive. I'm well, very of, curious. Speaking of OTT, we've got the streamable. Sinclair says their Bally Sports direct-to-consumer app will come in the first half of 2022. But once again, no clarity on pricing or what content will be included. They said they're working with teams and leagues on the offering. And then a couple of days later, the streamable tweeted out, according to a report by the Wall Street Journal, NBCU was close to streaming NBC Sports RSNs on Peacock, but now they're considering selling them instead. The, the point of why I'm I bring lost. this up, Here's the point. The RSN business does not know how to convert from the cable world, where they get paid lots of money on everybody, to the D to C world. We're overpaid. And they just don't know how. Nobody knows how to make that shift without losing lots of money. I don't care whether it's MSG, whether it's Bally's, which is Sinclair, or or whether it's NBC. let's Let's put it differently. Making a lot less money. because Yeah, right. Right. You're still going to make money. Right. It's just making yeah. a lot less. Significantly it's, it's- less. RSNs were, you know, some of the biggest beneficiaries of the of the world of limited video distribution. That's it. That's it. Um, I, and it's just that simple. And, have, and I don't know what it looks like. I, I honestly over-earned. don't know. And I don't know how that transition happens. That's another thing I need, I think, to ask MSG management on Monday it's like, just how do we get there? Explain your vision. I shouldn't give away my questions now. Look, maybe it has to do with betting. Uh, we've got a couple, you know, we've been talking sort of repeatedly on the podcast over the last six months about the collision of sports betting and um, and content. Uh, we've got a little shout out to Walt's Eagles uh, today, but uh, I'll just read it. Uh, ben Mullen tweeted out Sports Action Network, which uh, um, I'm actually an investor in, an early investor, is being sold for 240 Congratulations, million. Rich. Your second uh, ex- personal exit in a couple of months. F- far too small, but it's a Dinner's great company. Dinner's on you. Yes, fine. Uh, sports Action Network fine. is being sold for $240 million to better collective as sports betting deals surge. And then Darren Ravel, who's at Sports Action, tweeted out, FanDuel continues strategy of sponsoring personalities and brands by announcing a multi-year exclusive sports betting content deal with the ringer. And so like, like everywhere we look, there's this collision. It it sort of feels to me like at some point you're going to see sort of a merger of actual sports media content and the sports betting platforms. We've talked about why, you know, Fox FanDuel would make a lot of sense. DraftKings ESPN would make a lot of sense. Obviously Penn and Barstool I don't know. Maybe the I, it's hard to imagine the RSNs having the balance sheet to go out and buy sports betting assets or merge, but m- maybe that's what ultimately I mean, has it, to happen. 
But Rich, it already kind of happened in the Sinclair deal, right? Because of that equity that that was given to Sinclair and Bally's. So you you yeah. have, you have I mean you have you Bally's have a- actually buys. If Bally buys Sinclair or buys the artisans, I might agree with you. Right now, it's sort of it's not a direct link. Like I actually want to see where they're actually fully integrated. That would be more interesting. But we'll see. I, and still, even if you're fully integrated, I don't know how you get the content out of the bundle and onto the sports streaming apps. Like that's still, the Nirvana is you open up FanDuel and you're watching the Eagles play or you're watching the Giants play and you can bet on it while you're watching the game on your phone, point and click. You got to deal with the latency issues. And we've discussed this a million times. And there's a company called Phoenix um, who's trying to help solve those issues. And then you need UI, UX stuff and interactivity. And you have companies like Genvid. Um, So there will be, you know, a tech, tech layers um, that help enable this over the next couple of years, um, but not yet. We've got Walt's prediction, though, of Verizon in our top 2021. He uh, can read it. Through. Oh, thank you. Um, so it it, it um, does tie to sports betting. That's not what we're really why we were thinking that they should sell it. It was really more of a pattern of the company when they buy lots of spectrum that they sell assets last time they did this they sold towers to um, american tower and then they they sold off some fios assets to frontier which interestingly re-emerged from bankruptcy on, on monday this, in this case they got far less than i think it was like 15 billion or so they got less go around it was five for assets that they that they paid 10 10 billion for this time to apollo and part of the reason i think rich what you were saying is it's kind of unleashed unleashed some of the sports betting opportunities um, within those brands. So, you know, we'll see how that goes. They, I don't know, you know, they guess they didn't want to take that on their own brand. I'm not sure why it's legal. So, but, but I think, look, they've been probably one, I, you know, I don't think there's any margin in this business or there wasn't, there was probably negative margin years ago when, when Hans Vesper took over Verizon and they basically just couldn't find a buyer. So I think there was part of it was just kind of cleaning it up to get it just to break even, let alone for someone to you sell. Know it's in, you know what's insane, though? Like Yahoo Sports, like anyone who plays a lot of fantasy, and I'm one of them, still is probably the best you know, fantasy sports experience and had such dominant market share. Never was able to make the transition to to daily fantasy um never tr- hold on into, ne- never tried never tried properly is that's on verizon <laughs> no well no i think that's even going back predating it right like they should have been FanDuel, or they should have bought right, I mean, right, right you're right like, yeah, i mean that goes that goes to marissa mayer FanDuel and DraftKings never should have existed remember her by been, the way it should have been yahoo i mean yahoo yahoo fantasy has like when go all the way back from the very beginning, like fantasy was the biggest fantasy and mail were the two main things that made Yahoo sticky. And they never figured out how to. But it, it was it, it stuck with Joe Galone. Joe Galone still uses it as his number one news source, his mail. And obviously for fantasy sports. Uh, look, I think it's brilliant because you take all of this traffic that you're getting. And now you actually, and that's still sticky because people just still, as you said, are on fantasy. And now you're going to try to turn it into something very direct. It's late, but there's a huge, a huge untapped opportunity, especially as sports betting still in the early days. And look, if you get it right, maybe there's a larger media company that looks at that and then says, that's really interesting. So like it, to me, to me, it makes a lot of sense to try what they're doing. 
so we'll see. It's just interesting. You've now got what Apollo's doing with 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 the AOL and Yahoo properties. You've got Barstool Pen. You've got BetMGM. You've got FanDuel and DraftKings. Like just this battle for sports betting is just getting so much more intense every day. And of course, we've still got Fubo trying to launch theirs at some point. Um, <laughs> Had to throw yeah. that in. Always. Walt, why don't we talk 5G? Uh, well, well, I think this actually kind of ties into Verizon as well. This was a slide from T-Mobile's um, quarterly slide deck, whatever, fact book, whatever it's called. But just even specifically now calling out using low band for uplink with the two and a half gigahertz spectrum, which which Neville first kind of talked about this at their investor day, which we talked about on the podcast. This is the issue, Rich, that you know, Verizon has initially denied that they need any uplink to make their C-band work better. And we talked about the fact that every engineer we talked to said that this was the case. Verizon is subsequently flip-flop. Now, now, so now we all agree that uplink can improve mid-band. Thank you. Welcome back. And AT&T and, and um, T-Mobile, like T-Mobile is using some carrier aggregated stuff with LTE. Ultimately, what T-Mobile is going to do when they go to standalone is they're going to hope to use this 600 megahertz spectrum they have. But they're going from using probably 30 megahertz of uplink to 15. And Verizon, they're planning on using maybe 800 in some situations. That's only 10. And the question is, like, how much... This gets back to what we are talking about earlier with competing with cable companies. Are, are you underestimating the amount of depth of, of spectrum that you need to provide a robust um, uplink capacity? So... There's a company out there, Legato, that's got plenty of of free spectrum in a great band, 1.6, that that can be leased or purchased by any one of these. All three of them now are admitting that they want to use Uplink. So rather than using thin layers of shit that they have and repurpose, one of them has an opportunity to get a competitive advantage to to lease or grab this this spectrum. So we'll see how that plays out. Is this hurting? Is this why Verizon's underperforming on net ads relative to T-Mobile? Like, Are they benefiting from what their spectrum position is? Um, well, T-Mobile has a lot of subs, right? But Verizon, I think, um, which lost subs this quarter. But if you look at the actual change in revenue, um, Verizon added more service revenue than T-Mobile did. In fact, if you look at T-Mobile's numbers and the postpaid phone customers over the past six months, they've lost 1.6 million, or excuse me, they've added 1.6 million postpaid phone customers and their their revenue has declined 50 million. So, so, so if I'm looking at like this, if I'm looking at the, the media side of this equation, like Verizon has gone out and added not just Disney, they, take, they took the Disney plus offer, made it to Disney triple play. So a much more expansive offer and added discovery plus all in Q1, but subs went down, but you're saying there's a bigger picture that we should be looking at rather than just subs. Right. I think you were saying, I think earlier when we were talking about this, that like, well, does, you know, your theory was like, Hey, they just added discovery plus and the subs went down. I guess that didn't help with sub growth, but like <laughs> discovery plus and Disney plus is about shifting existing customers to higher rate plan. It's about generating revenue. Now you could argue that that incremental revenue has very low contribution margin, right? Because there's, they're paying discovery and they're paying Disney. But on the, on the face of it, if you look at the Q1 incremental revenue, like who added Verizon was the only guy that lost subs and they added more revenue than anybody. So it's more about the migration and getting people to pay them more money 
upgrading to higher packages, whether that's because of 5G or Discovery Plus, which by the way, Rich, they've been very positive about Discovery Plus in terms of the numbers that have been added and, and as an attraction to getting people to higher rate plans. Of course, they talk about lower churn and stuff. Everyone talks about lower churn, but- Where does AT&T and HBO fit into that? When they, because obviously it's not a third party cost, it's all internal. Are, is so that HBO, same upgrade? Right, so HBO Max, yeah, but I think AT&T, their kind of strategy has been over the past two years has been actually investing in their network. Um, and they've seen the largest improvements over the past two years from anyone because they've invested in the network. In addition, they're willing to Funny give you a free phone. how that works. <laughs> but they're, also, they're also willing to give you a free phone, right? And that's something that I think we'll see how that kind of plays out. And, and buy one, get one free has been kind of a steady plan um, for AT&T in order to attract and keep um, customers on their network. But I think it's really a combination of both. And it's really, you know, AT&T haters um, that have been sure, well, the stock's the number one performing telco in 2021. Um, but but saying that it was them just buying customers, I think you're, you're you know, you're losing some, or you're not giving them enough credit for the fact that they've actually invested in Spectrum in their network. And T-Mobile has that same opportunity in front of them now. It's just a matter of whether they can actually execute on it. It's just, you know, it's sort of, we're trying to look at sort of what happens to, you know, marketing of SVOD services. And it just seems like this strategy of bundling is actually starting. It, if it's helping the telcos, it just means we're going to see more and more of this going forward. Like if, they, sure, right, I, if it's I, not, like if it's causing upgrades and they act, if the revenue and profitability is going up, ultimately there, we're going to see more bundling. I mean, these guys are all talking about, Hey, I'm going to add two or 3%. That's but like, you know, T-Mobile's guiding to three or 4%. Like I'm supposed to be excited about that type of service revenue growth. So if that's what the investors are telling you that they want to see and everyone gains the fucking system, right? So then fine, I'll, I'll jack my service revenue by just throwing in. So when you were talking about like Amazon earlier, I just, and saying making content available by streaming, I'm thinking to myself like, okay, that's just more shit that the wireless operators can jam into the bundle to get you paying more, even though right? The contribution margin, the free cash flow, the thing that really should drive the intrinsic value of any company, right? Free cash flow yeah. um, is obviously not not as great. So the question becomes, we, I just changed the order a little bit just because you brought it up. The, 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 the sort of the, the one service that is unaffiliated right now is Paramount Plus, has no telco partner whatsoever. How come? Uh, well, so I'm going to talk about that in a second. So oh, okay. th- 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 this is a Variety tweet that just said, or a Variety article saying, SpongeBob and Nickelodeon shows drive Paramount Plus subscriber growth. Viacom stock went down. I think in part of people were really, exp- the sub number, some was, you know, we don't know how much was free versus paid. You know, ARPU was sort of flat sequentially. But the, the, the bigger issue in my mind was a lot of investors were expecting a telco deal and it didn't happen. And I don't know whether T-Mobile they had, they don't and, and- do you think? Do you think? Do you think an AT and T wouldn't want to to add anything to HBO Max? Would this be? Oh, that's interesting. An antithesis because you know, they would only just want to want you to be. I mean, look, um, Stanky has talked about the fact that there's not going to just be one. Like you'll have Netflix. Or is this the, the reason I'm thinking an about it? Indictment of Paramount Plus and the attractiveness to telco partners well it may be a timing issue because remember paramount plus is not launching their ads or their new lower price ad supported tier until june when they drop from 5.99 to 4.99 so it may be a timing issue like this may be hey timing with the new launch with the new price point maybe they're going to add a telco partner what, what is what is paramount plus rich because when we talked to verizon about this they're like okay you know disney was one type of content um discovery was a different type of content like wh- where does 
how does their content differ from, I guess, what T-Mobile has with Netflix? You know, they do have some sports, right? So they do have like, you know, Series A or Serie A. They have Common Bowl. Like they have some sports rights. They have Champions League, obviously, on it, which thanks to the Super League dying actually still matters. Um, but but look, they want to be more like HBO Max and Netflix. And so it's harder in my mind to it's harder to justify versus HBO Max because HBO Max is going to have sports. We talked but about maybe the Verizon last justifies week. this and says, OK, we have scripted. We have non-scripted. Now we're going to we're going to put this in the sports bucket and like check the box and, and throw that in there. I, I don't know. But they have, no, they have ES- these guys. They have, spin it. Or maybe they're have. just maybe they're just the, the, the one that gets left out and doesn't have a telco yeah. partner. Sorry, guys. T-Mobile would make the most sense because it sort of expands the, you know, it would expand the reach of what they have with Netflix, more like what Verizon's done and just having more heft to the streaming offer. But look, Netflix is the juggernaut. I don't know if you need more than Netflix. Netflix is the biggest. What about Comcast Comcast and Charter if they started going down this route? You know, I thought about that. And and the problem I run into is those companies will, in their minds... but those, but those companies in their minds think they already spend so much money with these companies. Like they already spend shitloads on Viacom. They're not going to pay Viacom more money. Like they already think and they look, the, the other reality they're thinking, is they're thinking about the you know the the video the, the whole video side video, of the, right. the business, and, and, not and, the wireless and, side. And the other issue with them is while a telco investor for Verizon is super focused on like the revenue growth and or T-Mobile's revenue growth, a Comcast or charter investor could give two shits about the service <laughs> revenue growth that's going on in the wireless business right now. So if they're using that to juice wireless oh, revenue, free cash flow, because it's not driving subs, obviously look, Verizon subs were down. It's a matter of driving the optics of the service revenue and maybe, oh. and maybe churn. And like for cable guys, as we know, as I've criticized before, they'll say everything reduces churn because they don't report churn. <laughs> like this this mythical this mythical metric that they claim is always improving with every new thing that they add but they don't actually report let's um shift to nfts and this is live nation well this uh, is reported. there's a couple of live nation things here they reported earnings obviously last night um, no earnings reviews uh we don't do earnings reviews but here, here carl quintanilla there's Trust me, there there weren't any earnings, you know. <laughs> that business was still shut down last quarter, except in like New Zealand. Um, but uh, Carl says, Live Nation, quote, we are already seeing confirmed major tour dates for 2022 up double digits from the same time pre-pandemic in 2019 for 2020. Many of these artists will have multi-year tours spanning the US, Europe, setting us up for a strong multi-year growth run. And we've discussed this so many times, the pent-up supply, the pent-up demand, and how that's going to meet. I think that the double digits number that they threw out um, f- for confirmed dates for next year, you know, double digits could be anything from like 10 to 99. So we don't know exactly where in the double digits that is, um, but got it, the it's feeling. Not, it's not that, at 10. It's not no, 10. It's probably not. And I think the schedule will fill out as we go through this year and some 20. Two stuff will get pushed to 23. And on the demand side, just anecdotally, um, I've seen, you know, and granted, I have a lot of friends who go to a lot of shows anyway, but 
um, excitement like I've never seen before. And I think Rapino said something like, we've never seen anything like this in history. Everything that's gone on sale has, you know, gone in record time. It's early, but things looking good. Bodes I think well for Endeavor, bodes well for Endeavor insane, stock too. What's insane is that the street is like at 4% revenue growth or something from 2019 to, to 2022 for Live Nation. Um, what what's in the events, Richard? You're, you're making me a little nervous with that arrow. You keep wanting to press that thing. You're really excited about this. Can you hold off for ten seconds? I, you know what, <laughs> Jesus, Rich, um, just, what is just, it? <laughs> I know you're really excited about this audio, he, but like, what the hell? So okay, he's so like, I, I love the audio. I gotta click it. I Go mean, on. honestly, so Odyssey, what, what is their events business? Because I was noticing they, first of all, I don't know why they're printing on a Friday, guys. You don't do that. That's not good. Not with nice weather out. But what what's in their events business? Because that was down 98%. <laughs> like what type well, of Whatever it is, there haven't been any events, right? <laughs> exactly. But but they, uh, they, fest, festivals, festivals. Right. So, okay. So theoretically that's that, I mean, 98%, that's fucking crazy in terms of, of a decline, but, but your, your point is Brandon, this that- whole industry has been shut down and there's like artists need to make money and people want to party. That's right. it. It's going to come back <laughs> raging. Yeah. Okay. Rich. Now you can play your audio. Okay. And this also- is also from the call, I think, right. So play it on the live nation side. We're, we're deep in exploration. We have a, a great team. Uh, that's been talking working NFTs. You know, and working with, uh, the Mark Cubans of the world and others who are smart in this space. And I think you'll see us come out with an interesting live nation concert NFT angle. Okay. So, so basically there's going to be a live nation, you know, uh, top shots um, or something for the, um, for musicians. And that's that's my takeaway. I guess they're working with Cuban, so maybe it's not necessarily um, on flow. We all know that Mark loves Ethereum, as he tweets about it um, every day. Um, but look, this is going to be an incremental opportunity. I don't know how far the collectibles angle um, is actually going to go. Maybe there, you know, there's clearly a lot of excitement right now, but it's. Uh, I think the combining of IRL, IRL and digital, like sort of that combination, like whether it's seating, whether it's merch, I I think there's interesting things you can tie to an NFT, you know, minting ticket stubs. Like if there's ever a platform out there, and I know some are in the works where you can, you know, display and flex um, a social one, uh, display and flex your, uh, your NFTs is, you know, is is a no brainer. I can't wait to show off my fish NFTs. <laughs> uh, we got a scoop from Ben Mullen. The Athletic is continuing to pursue a merger partner after talks with Axios fizzled. It now sees the New York Times as a leading contender. Lucas Shaw tweeted later on that those talks didn't go anywhere either. I, I have no idea whether that's true, but I will say I, I continue to believe that if I'm New York Times. And looking at their subscription business and the stock got killed this week because they're sort of were they were sort of Debbie Downer, like they were just sort of like sort of just depressing listening to them on their conference call this week talking about slowing growth. But they're still growing like they're still going to add like a million subs this year, sort of in line with 2019. And yet, um, you know, obviously that's a lot slower than 2020. But it's sort of like people were calling for stocks like Twitter and, and The New York Times to sort of collapse after the end of Trump and the end of the news cycle. 
And yet Twitter's still growing. MDAUs very nicely, you know, quarter after quarter, year over year. New York Times, same thing. Like adding a million is still a big number. And I'm, I'm, if I was sitting in the New York Times still growing subs, I'd be going, okay, we figured out subs. We have 7 million subscribers. How do we build on this subscription prowess that we have? And I'd buy, I'd be looking at Masterclass, The Athletic, like anything that's subscription, keep tacking more stuff on the way Amazon does. A hundred percent. It seems like um, a no brainer. I actually think the athletic makes sense for them. Um, I know because that, they suck in sports, meaning because the New York I, Times sucks in sports. Yeah. And, and I think that with, you know, obviously with the New York Times distribution, it could be, you know, significantly additive to driving subscriptions um, for the athletic. They also, do, they also do a lot in podcasts. The athletic does a lot in podcasts. New York Times is a lot. Like there just seems to be lots of obvious synergies between the two companies. Like, yep. I don't know where the athletic is in valuation right now, but yep, like yep. structurally, it seems like it would make a lot of sense. Yep. 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 Um, we've got um, two things on this slide. Uh, we've got the D'Amelio family. Um, this is a tweet that they had introducing social tourists by Dixie and Charlie D'Amelio dropping on 520. This is with Hollister, Abercrombie and Finch. And then we've got Snap had their new front this week where there's a Charlie and Dixie show. And we've already talked about on the on the podcast that there's going to be a Hulu show starring the D'Amelio whole family. What's fascinating is I think on our first episode of the podcast, we were talking about sort of Charlie's rise on TikTok. Walt was super excited about sort of what he was seeing in TikTok. And it's, you know, it hasn't even been two years since Charlie D'Amelio started on TikTok. And now she's got a major clothing and fashion line and stores that are going to develop with social tourists. She's got TV shows on multiple streaming services. It's just sort of amazing to see this sort of collision between creator and commerce and you're like and, i know and we- just the pat the power um of of the creator and we've seen you know what mr beast has done obviously yeah. um with burgers and everything else this is following in that exact sa- on that exact same path and part um, of this is as- good management too greg goodfriend is them we've had on our light shed live Clearly has a very good idea, identified the talent early and and is managing that very well in terms of all the different ways that they can go. And I think we're actually going to see him on the on the show, which will be interesting to say. Right. He is definitely going to. He said when we we had Light Show Live, he said he's actually going to be, you know, he's part of the, the cast of the reality TV show that's on Hulu later this year. So it'll be fun to watch. I, I, clearly, I, I just like these creators. It's great. And, and some platforms offer tools, but there's other things that they need. And like some creators are going to be more successful than others based on some of the technology that they make available to themselves or some of the management that they make available or, you know, companies that are offering um you know, different ways to help them monetize. That's going to be a big part of it, clearly. Well, and I think brands, you know, it's already Abercrombie stock was up 4% yesterday on this news. Like, I think there's also sort of brands are recognizing that there's sort of, you know, really interesting ways to weave themselves into the creator economy and reach consumers. Like you're not reaching a Hollister customer or, you know, the social tourist brand. You're not reaching that person with a TV ad. Like you're just not going to do it. And so there's got to be a new way to market and partnering with creators seems like a very organic and smart way to build your business in 2021. It's good to have an authentic spokesperson. Exactly. So we got our last slide for the week. Well, 
um, one of you go through at least the, you can do well, both of them. No, I don't think there's anything to go through. I just think this is a reflection of what's the plan for the weekend or, that we're ending on. And Rich has highlighted the fact that some of us can now watch, finally watch Tenet. When did that come out? September, October? So on the yeah. beautiful weather weekend, now we can actually stay Tenet. inside and watch Tenet. So not sure that still was at the rate call by HBO. Um, probably could have got more bang for the buck out of it with driving subscriptions at the time, but they've done well after the fact. Um, there's another one that is here that we're showing, you know, one of these rockets went up because the Chinese are basically building their own space station. So they're, uh, they're going to, uh, they're going to basically let one of these rockets um, where Elon's rockets land on a platform and can be reused. Not that this is the same exact rocket, but still their second stage rock is going to be landing somewhere on the earth. So Brandon, keep an eye out for that. I know you're going to be looking at wedding locations this weekend. So just keep an eye out that that those rocket parts from, from our friends in China might be landing on someone's head <laughs> at somewhere in, a, in an unknown location around the, <laughs> around the uh, world. Hopefully not on my head. Um, yes, and hopefully not in anyone's head. Hopefully out, it's going to be in the ocean. Well, They're like, oh, don't worry. It'll probably be in the ocean beach. You know, 70% of the world's surface is ocean. So that's the odds are that it will land in the ocean. I, I just can't believe. I just like, I, first of all, I will be watching out for rocket falling parts. I just can't believe <laughs> that we're, we're sitting here in 2021 and I had to wait eight months to watch Tenant in my own home. Uh, or no, not as part of a streaming service or not watch whatever but like uh, you know I, I just think it's crazy like the the studios have like chris nolan is the epitome of not understanding where the world is at it's fine to want theatrical like th i'm happy to go to a theater but movies can't spend eight months between theatrical and streaming on on streaming services like there has to be and i think that's that's going to be a major theme of 22 is i think you're going to see windows more like 17 to 45 days versus this this eight months. I just, when I saw it come up in my HBO of like, Hey, you can now watch tenant. I'm like, this is just, this is the, this is an epic fail. All right, fellas, I got to get out of here. I have some <laughs> wedding venues to look at. Well, I guess it's time for you to move it, move it. Is that yeah. the, that's the plan? Brandon, good luck finding your wedding. I do love venue. this song though. I, I could dance for a few, for a few seconds. Be a few minutes late. Meanwhile, Joe is once again providing his wedding I like to in, in move it. text chat. Oh, is he? Oh, God. Just, just do whatever she yeah, says. The only, the, only, yeah, the only thing you, you have to know about weddings is that they're way more expensive um, than you realize. This is going to suck my bank account dry, but... Have a good weekend, everyone. Worth Episode 55. <laughs> it's good tequila for the wedding. Yeah. What's that brand again? Uh, Superbird. Make sure the Superbird right, tequila is served in your wedding. I'll see you later. <laughs>